Welcome back after our break. I am so thrilled to be back with my partner, Kate Kelly, the PNC Regional President for Minnesota for our next See Speak Minnesota podcast. We're really looking forward uh, to this episode. We have such a dynamic guest for you. Uh, the title of the episode is The Moment Is Now, Philanthropy and Private Sector Partnerships. And before I get into the nitty gritty, Kate, did you have a good little break and did you have some time off this summer? Oh, I had a great break, but this is really feeling good to get back at it. I spent time at the cabin as we do around this place. And uh, no, I'm just very energized. And Tanya joining us is just going to be terrific. Yes. So glad to, glad to be back at it. That's great awesome. to see and you. Yep. Kate's talking about our guest, Tanya Allen. Tanya is the president of the McKnight Foundation. And let me just give you a little backstory before we get into questions for Tanya. You know, we talk a lot on my show about public trust and trust in institutions in particular has just plummeted across all sectors. We talk a lot about the truth and Lord knows people are having a hard time finding the real truth. It has often come into question in all aspects, our, our economy and our politics. We know that racial disparities born of institutional racism is part of our nation's legacy and they persist today. Now, all of these troubling facts call us to be brutally realistic, but they do give us hope. Yes, I'm the eternal optimist, and I know Kate is too, because mm -hmm. history has shown us that the power of people and communities can make positive change. And that's all that really it ever is. It's communities. It's started by one great leader. And it's small groups that make that positive change. And this brings us to our next guest, Tanya Allen. Tanya is the president of the McKnight Foundation, which is a Minnesota-based family foundation that seeks to advance a more just, more creative, and more abundant future where people and the planet can thrive. McKnight annually grants about $100 million, that is a lot of dough, my friends, $100 million to support climate solutions in the Midwest and equitable and inclusive Minnesota, make it more equitable and inclusive. They, they support the arts and neuroscience and international crop research. And Ms. Allen heads an all-women, majority people of color senior leadership team and a diverse staff of about 50. She's a champion of diversity, inclusion, and equity practices. She's driven by her own passion for justice, and she is known to be a bridge builder. And Tanya, welcome to the podcast, and welcome to Minnesota. Oh, thank you, Jordana, and thank you, Kate. And uh, Jordana, I'm going to have you uh, give my introduction all the time. It was wonderful. <laughs> That's great. I will say I am so excited to be a new resident of Minnesota. Um, I have a lot of admiration for this state and its ability to actually tackle tough issues. And so that's why I was drawn here is because I, too, wanted to add my talents along with so many others to be able to move the needle on issues that are important, not just to our current conditions, but to our future conditions and particularly our economy. When we talk about racial equity and when we talk about climate solutions, those are two extraordinary, um, pressing, urgent and relevant issues to our economy as well as our humanity. So I'm ready. And if I could, Jordana and Tanya, I just have to mention that my colleague in Detroit introduced Tanya and myself just recently, and he couldn't emphasize enough how fortunate we are to have her now in our community. And Detroit is kind of mourning the loss of her, but we, uh, we should be celebrating the gain of having her in our community. As you know, he was emphasizing, as we'll hear, the passion for justice, 
bridge bridge builder and a civic civic diplomat. So Tanya, on all those accounts, we're so lucky to have you here. And thank you again for being on our podcast. Oh, thank you, Kate. You're so mm -hmm. kind. And so was uh, your colleague. <laughs> and my friend. Well, let's get to it, Tanya. We have tons of questions. So I hope we can get them all in here. I know you're busy. Um, let's talk about the McKnight Foundation. The foundation has made a huge commitment to finding climate solutions in the Midwest. Now, you know, you came from Detroit, now you're in Minnesota. So let's talk specifically about the Midwest. Why is that such an important region for ad addressing this climate crisis? And as, you know, Kate wants to address, what is the role of business leaders and, and private businesses to step up? Yeah, well, I want to give you one fact that I want everybody in the Midwest to think about. If we were to pull the Midwest out of the United States and count it as a country all by itself, it would be the sixth largest emitter of carbon in the world, right wow. after Russia. And so we have a role, not just for our region, we have a role in the world. And we need to embrace that moment of really driving towards change. So um, we have benefited from, you know, technologies and energies that have not necessarily been clean, but we also have a real opportunity in this moment to um, see the possibilities of, um, of climate solutions. So I would just say a couple things that I think are, are really interesting. The clean energy sector employs about 55,000 Minnesotans in every corner of the state. And we're, it's poised to grow. So there's so many uh, business opportunities and we need to be grasping those opportunities right now. And so I think why this is really important, not just to the people of Minnesota and to our climate and all of those good things. Um, it's also important because we all know that in the social sector, in order for change to really be durable and to really to catch on, um, it has to be uh, have a large percentage of industry involved and engaged. And in our state, we've been very lucky to have lots of business businesses be strong advocates for climate solutions, for strong climate policy. But we have to make sure that we go beyond just advocacy. We need to integrate it in our business practices to make sure that we're uh, cleaning up our energy use, that we get to a net zero carbon emission in all of our businesses, because we don't have the privilege of um, uh, mitigating anymore. We have to adapt. We got to do both, particularly as we see climate show up this summer and this year in mighty ways. You know, we had the drought here in Minnesota. You all know I'm from Michigan and Detroit. There was flooding. Um, we saw Hurricane Ida. The problem isn't that we uh, have never seen these kinds of um, weather-based events. It's just that they're coming so much more rapidly that they're creating chaos and that that creates instability for our businesses and for our people. And so if we don't begin to address this, then we will be spending our time responding to disaster rather than building a future and investing in this um, in the society and the community that we want to live in. And so that's why it's so important to us. And that's why it's so important that businesses lean in in this moment, um, embrace the change. It's just like the kind of technological advances we saw in our economy. Now we just are pushing for climate clean energy advances. It's that same kind of innovation 
that we need uh, to see from business. And it's that same kind of ingenuity that we always see from Americans that we're hoping to inspire. Hey, Kate, before before you jump in, I'm stunned by that statistic that if, if Tanya, if you took out the Midwest, we would be the sixth largest emitter of emissions in the world. That, that's stunning to me. Is it the cattle? Is it the, the cattle that are burping oh, you- and doing all the stuff. So that's, no, so that's methane, which okay. we are a big emitter of, but it's mostly our built environment because we have all of these um, factories. Um, we have all of these old buildings where cold weather, sta- you know, colder places. We tend to use um, lots of oil based and, you know, just, we're just not smart about how we use. So we got to modernize our buildings, electrify them, electrify our transportation. We don't have transportation systems. It's all of those things, which I should have probably said that would have been helpful. Thank you for clarifying. That was, I learned something already. Thank you. No, that was really helpful. Shifting gears just a bit, your efforts to make institutions more equitable, are considered best in class. And you've worked with numerous corporations such as GM to design and implement effective equity strategies. What do you think business leaders need to understand about this work? Well, I appreciate the question. And I would just say, I, I often talk about like, right now in this moment, we're all about headlines, right? Like, so everybody wanted to respond to um, George Floyd's murder across the globe. And the headlines were the big things that we were focusing on. And I'd like to say that the thing that is most important is not our headlines, it's our through lines. And so what I would say is that I think this is the moment where we can actually see businesses, if they're focusing on the through lines, like how does equity or how does racial inclusion show up in every aspect of your business? How do you make this really intentional um, and how do you how do, how do you make sure it's a priority? So one of the concerns that I sometimes see in the uh, with businesses is that they're delegating that work. Now they delegate it to people of color, right? So on a lot of these diversity initiatives, you see black and brown faces, and they are the ones who are supposed to solve this challenge. And you all. Um, you know, we know what CEOs do. CEOs don't delegate things that are business imperatives or differentiators. You have to grab that, hold on to it. Of course, you need to be influenced, informed, supported by people of color to make sure that their experiences are are, um, um, accounted for and Uh, address, but we need leaders to lead in this moment. And that means really setting the kind of metrics that we know that drive business performance. So that's what I would say about um, making sure that we do this. And this isn't just about corporations or industry. This is about all of us. How are we? So even at the McKnight Foundation, we've had to spend time digging through and looking at our policies and practices and to see how they advance, you know, advantage and disadvantage some people intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. And I'll just give you a quick example. At the McKnight Foundation, about six or seven years ago, we had very few people of color. Today, we have a large number of people of color. 
And in most companies, the way that we do benefits is we do tenured based benefits, right? So the longer you've been at a company, the longer you will, the more benefits you have, the more time off, all of those different things. These are the kinds of things that unintentionally advantage and disadvantage. So if you just hire new people, and they are the ones who get less time to rejuvenate, the less time, et cetera, then in actuality, you're creating inequitable environments. I use that as a very small way because I want to make sure that we understand that these things are insidious in our systems. And so we have to really excavate and pull them out. And one of the things I've appreciated about my work on uh, with GM and Mary Barra is that GM is taking, they're uh, leaving no stone unturned around thinking about what happens. So how many people apply? Who gets to come to an interview? What are the biases that show up in that? How do we adjust that? Is it in our job description? Is it in our hiring practices? Just understanding it and not taking offense because this is not about anybody's personal bad intent this is about the way we structure systems and what we've we've established as the norms and those norms are disadvantaging people so what we want to do is renorm them and one of the things i love uh, and was my favorite definition of power and that is is that power is the ability to rewrite the rules and what i've found is that the people who have the power very rarely rewrite the rules. So we have the capability. Every business leader, every business owner, every CEO, regardless of where they're working, have the ability to rewrite the rules. And we just need them to step into that. Because if we do that, we're going to create the durable change that we want and a more inclusive economy and an environment where everyone is thriving. When we have this um, segregation uh, that is both racially, ideologically, and economically, what we're creating is a society that has such inequality and such inequities that none of us will really be able to thrive. We can think we can stay in our bubble, but eventually that bubble will be burst. And so my goal is for all of us to understand that this is our moment. This is when leadership will matter. We may not, if we show up now, a lot of times we want to say, well, what difference did we make in three years? Yeah, we need to pay attention to that. But let's show up now because we know in the next generation, it will be different because we showed up for our children and our grandchildren. I amazing. I'm quoting I that back to you. Power is the ability to rewrite the rules. I'm going to put that on my desk. I love it. And I'm, I'm so impressed that McKnight did its own audit. You know, even a few years ago, even post George Floyd did its own audit of, of leadership and who gets to come to the table. So um, really, what a great organization. And, and I want to go back to that, if that's OK. You mentioned George Floyd and as being new to Minnesota, I, I applaud you for wanting to move here in this situation, because I know that we have lost a lot of people of color because they don't want to live here anymore. That's just the God's honest truth. We, you know, friends that are employees at Target that can work remotely have moved. They've moved back to Atlanta or Columbus because they don't necessarily want to be in this environment. So thank you for being here and helping Minnesota work through this because we need that. And specifically, I'd like to talk about um, the, the Lake Street Corridor. I, I live not far from this area and I, I see what's going on there often. Um, can you tell us about how McKnight is supporting the rebuilding efforts at 38th and Chicago and the Lake Street Courier and the investments um, in business institutions and the financial investments that you're making there to help rebuild that, that area? 
Yeah, no, I'm very excited about the work that's happening on Lake Street, even though there's much more to do. Um, and I will tell you, um, before I even dig into this, is I feel very privileged to be here. Um, because this is the epicenter of where um, a racial justice movement kicked off. And so it feels like a privilege to me to be in this moment, in this community, working with the community, to not just be the place where um, something bad happened, but that we will become the place where lots of good things resulted from that. And that, to me, is an extraordinary privilege. So I want to just say that. The second thing I would say is I'm from Detroit, as you all know. And so in uh, when we had in Detroit, when there was a riot in 1968, um, Detroit did not rebuild. Um, or, or the way it attempted to rebuild was not very equitable. And Detroit is still paying for that 50 years later. And so the rebuild to me after the civil unrest is so important and so critical because I know if we don't do this now and do it well, then what we will create um, is inequities that will last multiple generations. So for, for the McKnight Foundation, we are we view the Lake, Lake Street as this kind of cultural and commercial corridor that we've long supported. Um, and over the years, we've put actually $90 million in grant funding in the zip code. And so we wanna make sure that that area continues to be a thriving place where diverse residents and entrepreneurs and neighborhood leaders um, can be rebuilding. And, and that you can see not in that rebuilding that it's a place where inclusion thrives. It's a place where climate justice thrives. Um, and we're also in this moment where we have a once in a generation kind of investment by the federal government. And so this is the moment where we see businesses saying we need to, to reinvest, residents saying it, philanthropic organizations. We all know this and we got the federal dollars coming in. So we should be taking the moment um, not just to fix what was broken and to rebuild what was taken down, we actually get to reimagine and recreate um, what we want to see. Uh, and if we should be producing the best of class that has kind of sustainable practices in it that will support BIPOC businesses. And I think this is so important because um, usually when we get federal dollars, we're rushing to spend it. In this instance, right now, the Biden administration is actually giving us time to spend it. If we rush to spend it, we're fighting against equity. And what I mean by that, we're going to go with the solutions we know. If we actually step back and take some time, bring everyone to the table, create the civic muscle that we need to be able to solve these problems, then we actually get to create something that's new, that allows us to put different kinds of capital into it um, and different kinds of ownership. So this is just our moment to make a choice about how Lake Street becomes a definition of success, a definition of inclusion for our community rather than um, a marring of a really hard, traumatic experience. Uh, and I believe we can do that where with everyone at the table, making sure that everyone is benefiting and that we can usher in prosperity. I just love that. I mean, I just love that you're saying this is our moment. And then that's so what I think our, our creativity and spirit of our community will rally to that. Um, and that's how we feel. We're very proud to be Minnesotans and we really want to take this moment. So I think you're going to 
find a lot of people with a lot of energy. And I love how you say that, you know, we first need to create that civic muscle and take our time. So we do it right. That's just beautiful. Well, beyond grant making, Tanya, can you tell us more about the financial tools McKnight is using to advance its mission to be, and I love this phrase, to be more just, creative, and have an abundant future? Yeah, I love it too, Kate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that mission statement pulled me in. Uh, yeah. So I agree with you. So, um, you know, foundations are really privileged institutions. We're very wealthy, right? And particularly the McKnight Foundation. We're almost a $3 billion foundation. Um, we're legally um, required to spend 5% every year. So we give that out in grants, which equates to, a, you know, 100 million, a little more than 100 million annually. Um, and I don't want to suggest like that 100 million or a little more than 100 million is small. Like I know how important that capital is. Uh, and what I've found in philanthropy is that we have limited how we use capital to nonprofits because the funds are for charitable purposes. But you can use those funds um, in lots of different ways. You can invest in um, for profits, you can invest in public sector if they are for charitable purposes and people aren't, um, you know benefiting from your, you know, like profiting from your work and your investment. So part of what I think this next evolution is for the McKnight Foundation is that we want to lean into not just using that capital um, and using it smartly, but how do we strategically use it to drive additional investments so that we're leveraging more capital on the issues that we care about? So we just talked about Lake Street. How do we um, use our capital to attract additional capital? Maybe we can syndicate that capital and deploy it in ways that actually help advance the work. Um, we did recently a um, investment in uh, an organization where we created a fund and that fund is being used to actually buy property on Lake Street early before people come in and try and um, uh, uh, purchase and gentrify the area because the property is available. So you can do all kinds of things. Now, the other piece that I would add is that I'm only talking about 5%, right? There's a whole entire 95%. And so one of the things that McKnight, I think, is expert at, um, and this is nothing to do with me because I'm new, um, but I'm really grateful for it, is that we have 40% of our investment capital put into mission-related investments. So we want eventually that to be 100% or or whatever it may be. What we want to do is get to a place where all of our capital is working for the good. All of our capital is working for our mission. And so that means that 5%, it means the 95 that we have invested, but it also means our leadership capital, our intellectual capital, our human capital. How are we strategically deploying all of that to help advance our mission? And so that's what you will see is a more integrated, focused, um, ambitious McKnight where we're stepping into really tough, hairy, challenging problems. We're going to give resources, but we're going to also offer leadership when we think it can be helpful. And we want to be open to partnerships, being open to partnerships with businesses. Uh, In Detroit, one of the things that I was able to be 
was able to do was to partner with businesses. I part, Kate, you know this, I partner with PNC on lots of projects that we did together. Um, we talk about GM, but there's so many other companies that we work collaboratively in advocacy space, um, in investment spaces. Um, and, and what I, we saw was that those were the things that were most durable and those were the things that were most lauded because it, it requires creativity. And so I would just say to those in Minnesota, what are those things that you believe can improve our state and our community? And if there are places where you could use a partner, I want them to know that McKnight is open for business. Um, and we're open for business to talk and to think and to, to work strategically and deploy each of our assets and resources uh, in a way that is compelling as well as scaffolding so that we can do more and do greater because of our relationship. That's just great. Um, what I had to jump in on PNC. This would be right up your alley on closing the wealth gap. We just came out with a product called Low Cash Mode that pretty much is going to wipe out, not quite, but almost overdraft fees. And I think we're going to be a leader. And I think sometimes you're leading with, um, you know, those that are just living on the cash flow edge and just giving them a leg up. And that sounds so much like I know a lot of the tools that you're bringing to the table as well. And if we partner together, is it can just have an amazing impact. So again, so many things to talk about in the near future and future future. So yeah. thank you. And we have to help people figure out to your point, like there's some things we need to help people earn, right? Mm -hmm. There's some people we got to help them save, which is what you're talking about. And then we got to figure out how to help them grow and build wealth. And so it, it's, we have to, and to your point, like, starting to think about how you bundle those things together really right. give us possibility that um, that really can help mitigate and address the wealth gap that's in Minnesota. And we know in the Twin Cities, I think we're like the second largest wealth gap between yep. black and whites. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that we, I know none of us are proud of, of it, but let's take that um embarrassment about that and turn it into motivation to actually solve it and address it. And a lot of our equitable communities work at McKnight is really about that. How do we build family wealth? How do we build community wealth? And so how do we make sure that the full community is thriving? Well, we're joined at the hip with you on that one. So that will be amazing. More work to be done. I'm glad to hear PNC is on board in that effort also, Kate. So thank you for that. Uh, Tanya, in the few minutes that we have left, is there anything that we didn't ask you? Anything that you want to add? I would just say that I think it's really important that we create and keep equity at the forefront. Um, that we got to make sure that both equity and climate solutions are a part of our agenda. You know, I have this um, theory about like, the kinds of people who come at complex problems. There are some people who are fixers and there are some people who are builders. And the fixers are the ones who are trying, everybody does, everybody's doing the right thing. Let me just say that. They're, everybody's trying to do the right thing. Um, there are those people who are trying to solve and fix the problems that exist in our current systems. Uh, we need people to do that, but we also need people to be building. 
Like how do they, who are those folks who are creating a new vision for who we are? And I think that that's going to be really important. And as we know, Minnesota has been very powerful at advancing civic solutions in the past. But many of those civic solutions have um, been when we have had people who have been alike, class-wise, race-wise, probably gender-wise, right? Like when we put those people at the table together, they can solve the problems. But the issue is, is that this state is becoming more diverse. And so we have to create different tables where everybody gets to come in and everybody gets to add to that solution pool. And that means all of us got to change. We all got to change if we really want to create a different kind of table. Um, But this is the time for us to do it. Like we, it is painful. It forces us to stretch. All of us have to change. But I'll tell you this, it's not more painful um, than the civil unrest. It's not more painful than the reputation that loss that we had after George Floyd's death. Um, it's not more painful than those months of hearing helicopters going over our homes. So we know what pain really feels like. This is about that good pain, you know, stretching, learning, growing. And this is the moment we need to do it. And businesses are right there at the center of it. They're in the forefront of it. I would just say that this is the last thing I would say. We know our society is isolated, you know, uh, ideologically, racially, et cetera. The one place that people actually do come together with people that they wouldn't naturally um, aggregate to is actually in work. So how do we use these workplaces to advance the concepts that we know are going to be stronger for our society without getting into politics? Like I'm not trying to get into partisanship, but how do we create environments where we all understand the value that each of us can bring? Um, And businesses have that role in that. And businesses, business leaders are such smart, intelligent, people who have lots of ingenuity and creativity at their fingertips. So let's deploy it, not just for profit, but let's let's deploy it for prosperity, which is about our full society, not just our individual gain. Boy, Kate, you're right. I'm so glad she's here in Minnesota with us now. Too bad, Detroit. Sorry. (laughs) I know. And, and, you know, I I just jotted down is etched in my memory. I don't even have to write it down that, you know, to quote Tanya, this is our moment when leadership will matter and to remember good pain. And this is why, Jordana, I'm so thrilled when we're doing these podcasts and we have the talents and the leadership of Tanya, you know, visiting with our, our, our listenership. It's just fantastic. So thank you again for joining us today. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Jordana. It's been my pleasure. And I'm so glad to be your neighbor. <laughs> We appreciate you. Again, uh, Tanya Allen is the president of the McKnight Foundation, our guest here in October on C-Speak Minnesota. Kate, I'm so happy we're back. Uh, We're back. A couple week break (laughs) because I get so inspired by these conversations and I I love sharing them on WCCO radio. And we really appreciate uh, PNC Bank for uh, making this happen. So another great conversation. I just want to go out and conquer the world today. I agree. And it's just great to see you. So this is wonderful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We'll be back next month. Thank you for listening to C Speak Minnesota.